God is so good. And uh, one more time, let's just give a hand clap to all these families. What a great decision. What a great decision. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it is, it is so wonderful to be able to be back and to search the scriptures with you. And uh, Bishop and uh, Sister Varnum are off preaching today, so we want to keep them in prayer. And uh, I know that they are going to do what they always have done here, and that is to help people get closer to, uh, to the Lord. And so, uh, but we do want to keep them in prayer. And uh, we are going to be getting into the Word today, and um, it's uh, appropriate what we're going to be discussing with Dedication uh, Sunday, because we're actually going to be talking about the birth of the church today, and, uh, and I think that's a, a great thing to talk about and on Dedication Sunday. But we are in a series um, that is entitled The Principles and the Practices of the Book of Acts Church. The Principles and the Practices of the Book of Acts Church. Now, why don't you turn to someone beside you and uh, go ahead and just tell that person beside you the vision of Souls Harbor. Now, if you're new here, you didn't know what to say, but now you do. To model the book of Acts church. So turn to somebody else and tell them the vision of Souls Harbor. To model the book of Acts church. That is what we desire. That is what we are reaching for. And do I see Brother Petty back there? Brother Petty is back in the house of God with us. Thank you, Jesus. We have been praying for him, and I'm so happy that he is back here with us. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. And, um, but we are going to be uh, growing in that because our desire is not, I don't believe this for an instant. I do not believe that the Lord is coming back for almost as good of a church as he started with. That's, that's just not the way he does things. He always saves the best for last. And so I do not believe that we see the power of God in the New Testament church, but nowadays we just kind of come to church that's really more of a club than anything else. That's, that's what some churches seem to be, have become, just a, a club. But that's why I refuse to do anything but pray for the miraculous to happen and to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I refuse to just sit back and have a club here. I believe today that the Holy Ghost is here and you can be changed and delivered and set free by the power of God. I believe that. And so we have been talking about five principles and practices of the book of Acts church. The first thing we talked about is the fact that they were oneness in their theology. Otherwise, they believed that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He was fully God. He was fully man. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He robed himself in flesh. They believed that. They believed that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Can I hear an amen? And we talked about if that is the principle, there must be a practice. And the practice we talked about is the fact that if you believe that there's God, a, a God, you should serve that God. If you believe there's one God, uh, you should worship him. And you should uh, be able to pray to him on an ongoing basis. To say, I believe in God, but I never worship him. I do not live my life for him. I do not talk to him. That's really not your God. If you believe there's a God, you should interact with that God. Can I hear an amen? amen? And then the second thing we talked about is the fact that they were apostolic in their doctrine. Now, they were the apostolic doctrine, but they continued. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And that was a teaching of the word of God. If we are going to be what the New Testament church was, then we need to do what they said to do. 
We need to go everywhere praying for people. We need to, when we come together, we need to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And when we come together, we should worship that God. We should magnify that God. And we focus in particular of their teaching the core, which was the gospel, the death the burial and the resurrection that was the principle and the practice that goes with that was the fact that they repented of their sins they were baptized in the name of Jesus and they were filled with the Spirit of God so today I want to talk about the fact that they were Pentecostal in their experience Pentecostal in their experience Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Now, uh, here we we refer to ourselves as Pentecostal. Now, I I just got to tell you, um, names uh, don't mean a whole lot as far as uh, when people try to put you in categories. The name of Jesus means a whole lot. (laughs) Uh, but, But when you talk about Pentecost, this word Pentecost is is a literally means the 50th day that's not all that exciting i'm so you know when you say i'm pentecostal i'm 50 i'm 50 days it's not all that exciting really when you think about it that way but it's what happened on the day of pentecost that is exciting and so the principle that we're talking about that's the fundamental truth the position the foundation of a system of a belief that's a principle and so the Pentecost means the 50th day now what happened on the 50th day which was known as Pentecost it was a Jewish festival of weeks Um, it was the first fruits of the harvest this is Pentecost. It's when the harvest was, uh, was given. All these wonderful things began to take place. And so it's not so much just the, the name that means 50th, but it's what happened on that day. So when I say I'm Pentecostal, I'm Pentecostal by experience. If we do not experience what they experienced on the day of Pentecost, you're not Pentecostal. If you don't experience what they experienced on the day of Pentecost, you, I mean, you can say you're Pentecostal, but it's not true. <laughs> Pentecost means you've experienced what they experienced on the day of Pentecost. All right? And so we're going to look at this. Now, this is 50 days from when? 50 days from the Passover. That's what this is. Pentecost was 50 days from the Passover. And and when you go all the way back to the first Passover, this happened whenever the children of Israel were about to come out of Egypt and... uh, uh, God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And when he told Pharaoh that, he said, get out of here. You ain't, you, somehow I just became a New Yorker. Did you hear that? Get out of here. What's going on here? I don't even know where that came from. I was born and raised right here. Get out of here. That's hilarious. And so. He said, he said, get out of here. He said, go. You're, you're, not, you're not going to take these people out of here. You're not going to do that. You, you leave. And Moses said, uh, you're going to let God's people go. And there became all these plagues over Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh said, I won't do it. He stretched out his rod, and the river Nile became blood. And, uh, and, and the, the magicians there tried to repeat everything. Interesting, they were able to repeat many things that Moses did. But they were not able to undo anything Moses did. Every time they repeated it, it only made it worse. They didn't need more blood. They didn't need more frogs. They didn't need more lice. They didn't need more of these things. And so all these things, these 12, uh, uh, these plagues that came upon them, um, And the last one was the death angel was going to pass over that land because Pharaoh refused to let uh, God's people go. And God told him, listen, you've got to prepare yourself because the Passover, the death angel is going to come and pass over this place. 
Okay, this is where the Passover came from. So the death angel is going to pass over. And if you want to be safe, you've got to take this, this lamb. You are to uh, slay this lamb. You're to take the blood of this lamb, which again is a type of Christ, the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. You're to take the blood of this lamb and you're to put it on, on your doorpost and on the lintel. You're supposed to put it on the side uh, and on top of your entranceway into your home and if you put the blood there when the death angel passes over this city it will see the blood and when it sees the blood it's going to pass over that's where the term the passover comes from when the jewish people celebrate the passover that's what they are celebrating the fact that the firstborns in their household did not die that's the passover and so every year it was held and remembering the passover the passover jesus uh partook of the passover right before his crucifixion just a couple of days before his crucifixion he was with his uh, disciples and they were having the passover meal uh, 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 holding on to that 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 time that jesus uh, allowed or god allowed the death angel to pass over but when you go from there and you begin to count the days up uh when they came out of egypt after the passover and and them going to the red sea you begin to count the days up at, at day 48 you you find yourself here in exodus 19 verses 10 and 11 remember um Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. So on day 48, Exodus chapter 19, verse 10 and 9, and the Lord said to Moses, go unto the people uh, and sanctify them today uh, and tomorrow. So on day 48 and day 49, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. That's day 50. This is the first Passover and we're going 50 days, and so this is the first Pentecost. We're going to do a little teaching here. Everyone's together. And so on the third day, because on the third day, uh, what's going to happen, uh, the Lord is going to uh, come down in the sight of the people on Mount Sinai. God is preparing the people to come uh, for to receive what he has for them. And so the time comes in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And so God is now coming down to speak not just to Moses, very important, not just to Moses, but to all of the people of Israel. All right? This is important. So he's not just coming to speak to Moses. He told Moses, get ready, because I'm going to go down there and tell everybody what the Ten Commandments were. All right, And so when this happened, the Bible says that the, the presence of God descended on the 50th day. That's Pentecost. And when that happened in verse 18 of Exodus chapter 20, and all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and the people saw it, and they removed and stood afar off. God came down, and when they, God went forward, they went back. It was not God's design for this to happen. Verse 19, then said Moses, uh, uh, speak thou to us, and we were here. But let, uh, I'm sorry, the people said to Moses, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God's come down to prove you. Uh, he, he's coming down to speak to you. You've cleansed yourself. He wants to talk to you. And so this understanding, this is the first Pentecost. God has come down to speak to everybody. No, no, no selection in people. God's come down to speak to everybody. And, and, and what we find here in Exodus chapter 20 is God is speaking the Ten Commandments. When you read what he is saying, he is saying, thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not have no other gods before me thou shalt not thou shalt not he is going through the ten commandments when you begin to read through this but when they saw it they went back it was not his design hear this what he does here is he it was not his design to put the the tablets on stones it was his design to speak it to the people of god it was not. This is important because some people think, well, some people are special and some people are not. This was not God's design. God's design here, when you begin to read this, is for 
all of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Not just the Levites. As you study the word of God, you will find the Levitical priesthood. They are the ones everyone had to bring everything to. That was not God's design. But God works in real time. God works with our issues. God says, well, you're not going to go the way I want you to, but I'm going to find another way to help you get out of this situation. That's what he does. Because when you read here in Exodus chapter 19, this is before he spoke to them. This is before all that happened. He says in verse uh, 19 and verse 6, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, an entire kingdom of priests. What I've called all of you to do is to be priests, all of you to offer sacrifices, all of you to speak to me, all of you. But whenever it came to Pentecost, the very first Pentecost, when God began to speak to his people, instead of going forward, they went back. Instead of taking the step of faith forward, they started crouching down. But God's design was not to put the commandments on a stone. He does not do that until chapter 31. In chapter 31 is when you find that God takes the finger of God and he writes the tables, uh, the tablets of stone and gives them to Moses. But God had already spoken them. And if the people were willing to lean into them, it would already be on their hearts and not on the stone. There's lots of things you find in the Bible, and you say, man, why did he do it that way? A lot of the reasons he did it that way is because we would not go forward when God was speaking to us. And so he has to come up with laws and things to try to keep you right, because instead of really getting God in your heart, you just want a preacher with a book that's outside of you to try to push it on you. But what needs to happen is it doesn't need to be out here. It needs to get on the inward part of our spirit and say, come on, uh, work on me from the inside out. Uh, let your spirit come inside of me. Amen. This was the 50th day. 50 is very important in the word of God. 50th was something uh, that the, the people of God uh, uh, understood and leaned into. You find it throughout the word of God, this 50th. But not only did you have the 50th day, you have what is known as the 50th year. The 50th year was the year of Jubilee. This is the way the 50th year worked. Whatever you lost on the 50th year, you got back. If you fell on hard times and you lost your land on the 50th year, whoever got your land had to give it back. If things got so bad that you became a servant to somebody, you became their slave. I don't care if it was on year 1, year 10, or year 48, year 49. When it hit the 50th year, you were set free. It didn't matter what was going on. God said, I am going to put it in place that, yes, we make mistakes and we make bad decisions, uh, but I'm going to put something in place uh, that if you mess up, uh, you can still get up uh, out of your mess up. Uh, you can still stand up uh, and stand tall. I'm talking about a God uh, that loved you enough uh, to say, I'm going to put something uh, in place uh, that you can get out of your mess. Uh, you can get out of your situation. Is there anybody here today uh, that are thankful for a God uh, that's looking out for you, uh, that's making a way of escape. Yeah. The 50th year was the year of Jubilee. They would blow the trumpets. It's a weak trumpet, but you get the idea. They would shout. They would rejoice. 
Because, well, you remember when we were little, we lost that farm. But looky here, it's the year of Jubilee. I get to get my farm back. Uh, and they start dancing uh, and they start blowing the trumpet. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, the 50th uh, was something to get excited about. Uh, it was all the way through uh, the Old Testament uh, and into the New Testament. Uh, and I'm here to tell you today, uh, the 50th uh, Pentecost uh, is still something uh, to get excited about. Uh, it's still something uh, that we should rejoice about because when Jesus shows up and starts his ministry he's baptized by John he's baptized and he was for his he was coming into age 30s when you became a priest he was preparing himself for the priesthood, and that was going, him going through the ritual of cleaning, cleansing. So he gets baptized. He goes into the wilderness where he's tempted of the devil. The devil keeps saying, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do that. Turn, the, turn these stones into bread. Look up here. See all the nations? I'll give them all to you if you just bow down and worship me devil just keeps messing with him he's out there fasting and he finally just keeps saying it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of god and satan backs up and then tries again and he tries again and jesus keeps saying it is written it is written you want to know how to handle the devil it is written it is written that's how you handle the devil. If you try to handle it on your own, you're going to be in trouble. But as soon as you pick up the word of God and say it is written, he has to take a step back because he knows the power. There's no power in my intellect, but there's power in this book. There's no power in my abilities, but there's power in the word of God. I don't care what you're facing. The word of God has your answer. And so he comes out of the wilderness. Comes out of the wilderness, goes into the the the, the uh, synagogue there, and they he goes and gets a scroll. And the Bible says he finds the place. He goes after this particular verse. He finds the place in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and begins to quote and begins to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is reading here from the book of Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Thank God we serve that kind of a God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Thank God we have that kind of a God. To preach deliverance to the captive. Thank God we have that kind of a God. To end the recovering of sight to the blind and to set up liberty them that are bruised he said i've come to make a difference i come to look at people that are hurting to look at people that are broken to look at people that are bruised and i've come here to preach to you and what does he say he's coming to preach the very next verse he came to preach the acceptable year of the lord he is referring here to the year of jubilee he steps to the scene and says listen i I've come here to let you know when Jesus steps on the scene, it's party time. When Jesus steps on the scene, it's time to break out the trumpets and begin to rejoice because you're about to get things back that you lost. You're about to get the things back that the devil stole from you. Here he's dealing with Isaiah, and that's what he's pulling back from. He's pulling back to this time. He's saying it's going to happen. When is it going to happen? It's going to happen on Pentecost. <laughs> Heavy thing. As you read through the scriptures, point to a certain daytime moment. You read through the law, and the law is pointing forward to a moment, a time, even all the way back to Genesis where it talks about the, the serpent after he deceived Eve 
And the Bible speaks uh, as God speaks to each of them and says to the serpent, you're going to be cursed and above all the beasts of the field on thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat, which is we are made out of dust. He has to eat our dust all the time. Dust shalt thou eat. That's what's going on. He curses him. And to the woman, he begins to say uh, unto her, yet you're going to have, there is a curse on you as well. To the man, there's a curse on you as well. Even to the ground, there's a curse on you as well. But he looks at the woman and he looks at the serpent and he said, the seed of the woman uh, is going to bruise uh, your head uh, and you're going to bruise uh, his heel. Uh, he was prophesying from that moment uh, that there's going to come a time uh, that Jesus Christ uh, was going to come onto this earth uh, and when he comes down, he was going to take his foot and everything was going to be under him and he was going to have dominion over all the works of the enemy back to the law they pointed to a time the prophets pointed to a certain time event a moment the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John it's called the gospels it's actually one gospel it's four accounts of the same gospel but nevertheless, these first four books of the New Testament, they were not encapsulated in themselves. The whole point was a time that's going to come. They were focused on a moment that was going to come. The Bible says here in John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth which the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm with you now, but I'm going to be inside of you. He, he kept talking about a time that it was no longer uh, here in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 3, for as much uh, as he declared the epistles of Christ and the ministering uh, uh, by us and, and it's written in ink, and, but he said we've got to go beyond that, but not just with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. That, that's, this is what we're reaching for, not in tables of stone, uh, but in the fleshly tables uh, of the heart. And so that's the epistles. And so the gospels, uh, we're talking about this moment that it's going to change no longer is the tablets going to be up on stone but all of a sudden it's going to be in your heart and the epistles look back to a moment and said there was a moment that was no longer on the stone but it got inside of our heart what was this moment what was this moment that they were talking about it was called Pentecost everything surrounds Pentecost The epistles talk about Pentecost. The gospels talk about that moment that's going to come. They all talk about it. All talking about it. What is that? What happened on that day? What was going on? What happens here is I believe what God was trying to do at the first Pentecost. Before he went to tables of stone because they wouldn't believe. And he was trying to speak to their hearts. He was trying to put something on the inward part of them, but they fall back and refuse to step forward. And so now Jesus is proclaiming, this is the year of jubilee for you. This is the time, this, this moment that I'm here, everything's about to change. It all happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of, read that for me. On the day of, there we go. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They got together in unity, 120. They were in one accord, they were in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled, filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. <laughs> What's going on here? What God tried to do at the first Pentecost, he accomplished on the day of Pentecost after his death, burial, and resurrection. 
the principle was this. Pentecost is fully surrendering yourself to God. That's the purpose of Pentecost. I'm about to talk about speaking in tongues, and it is part of it. But the main purpose of Pentecost is not just tongues. It is surrender. What happened at the first Pentecost is when the Spirit began to move, they drew back. What happened here in this last Pentecost of the Scriptures is when the Spirit moved, they stepped into it. That's the difference. Peter gets up and he lets them know. Peter, he's standing up in verse 14 with the 11 after people have been gathering around and people are watching them speak in tongues. They were not rejecting it. They were excited about it to the point that everyone thought they were drunk. They lost their inhibitions. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about what people thought about them. They didn't care what people said. And so they thought the only way you're going to act like this is if you're drunk. So Peter has to explain. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up a voice and said, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose. By the way, it didn't say they weren't drunk, just as you supposed. Otherwise, they've been, it was a different spirit that they were sipping on. The Holy Ghost had been coming in them. And when that hit them, that all of a sudden, they they just said, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people are going to say about me. Uh, They came out of the upper room, uh, and they were dancing, uh, and they were worshiping. Uh, They were having themselves uh, a good old time. Uh, And Peter had to explain, uh, listen, uh, we're not drunk like you suppose. Uh, It's only but the the third hour of the day. Uh, The bars aren't open yet. Uh, But then he goes ahead uh, and explains it. Uh, But this is that uh, which was spoken uh, by the prophet Joel. Uh, You know that moment uh, that time uh, that situation uh, that everyone's been talking about this is that uh, this is that moment uh, this is that time uh, you found it uh, this is it Pentecost was about fully surrendering ourselves to God through his spirit allowing the spirit to just wash over us being filled overflowing with his spirit that's the principle of Pentecost to say that I am surrendered to God the principle of Pentecost is saying I give myself fully to you and the fruit uh, is not of my own doing uh, it's the fruit uh, of the spirit uh, that's in my life that's the principle but the practice the practice is something that continues it's something that helps you move forward it's an application or use of an idea a belief it's not just you saying i'm surrendered to god but all of a sudden there's actions that go with what you're talking about this is what happens here they continue to have the same experience over and over and over again a lot of people want to try to regulate what happened on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 to acts chapter 2 but that is not the case It's not the case. See, what happened at the first Pentecost, God spoke in a language they did not understand. But at the second Pentecost, what I'm referring to as the second Pentecost is here in Acts chapter 2. At the second Pentecost, they spoke in a language themselves they did not fully understand. The first Pentecost, God spoke and they didn't understand. But the second one, they yield themselves to the point that they spoke in a language they didn't understand. At the first Pentecost, God was trying to speak from the outside in. But in the second Pentecost, God was speaking from the inside out. That's the difference. At the... At the first Pentecost, uh, they separated themselves uh, from the Spirit. Uh, They went back from the Spirit. Uh, But in the second Pentecost, uh, they went running to the Spirit and said, Fill me up, Lord Jesus. Uh, Fill me up. See what it is. It's about being fully surrendered. Fully surrendering ourselves to God through His Spirit. Allowing the Spirit to wash over us, being filled with the Spirit. 
allowing that power to guide and to govern our lives. When it happened here, it started with complete surrender. Acts chapter 2, this is what we just read. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Understand this, that speaking in tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God. God's Spirit indwelling us. Tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The evidence of what? That you have completely surrendered yourself to God. That's what it is. Tongue. Why did, they, why did God use the tongue? First of all, he's God. He can do what he wants to do. If he chose tongues to be it, that could be it. If he would have chosen that we sprouted wings at that point, that would have been it. He's God. He can pick anything he wants to. But he picked the tongue. Why? There's lots of things. But let me just give you one here. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we can turn them about their whole body. What's this about? Complete surrender to whoever is in control. That's what that's about. So we put little bits in a horse's mouth, and it does whatever we say. <laughs> he says in verse 4, Behold also the ship, though it is so great and driven by the force of the wind, the power, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. It's just this little bitty helm, this rudder in the back that you just move, and the big boat turns. However, in comparison to the boat, it's nothing. In comparison to the boat, it's so small. But what it is, it's a little thing that has complete control. Verse 5, he says, even so the tongue. It's a little member, but it boasts great things. Anybody know someone like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good at talking. Even so, the tongue, it's a little member, but it's, it's boasting great things. Behold, how great a matter a little, a, a little fire can t- kindleth. Just a little bit of a word here, a little bit of a word there. Just speaking against somebody, putting someone down here or there. That junk can spread. That's why we keep that mess uh, to ourselves. If you got something to say about somebody, and if you're telling other people that, that look at me, I just jumped in the pasture, didn't I? If you, if you start telling people that are not in a in a in a, a role, an ability to help that person, you are gossiping. And you are destroying your brother or your sister. If you've got something to say, say it to God or come to a pastor or one of the ministers that are able to help the situation. Don't be talking about each other because you may think it's little, but it can become a raging forest fire. Well, that didn't have anything to do with my message, but here we go. He goes on to talk about the tongue in verse 6, how it is a fire of iniquity, how, how the tongue has all this ability and, and, and it defies the whole body. In verse number 7 it says, and every kind of beast, every kind of beast, I don't care what the beast is, he says, every kind of beast and the birds, eagles, hawks, osprey, whatever it is, and of even serpents and of the things of the sea, is tamed. You can tame everything somehow, some way. Everything and somehow has been tamed. But in verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And this is what happens when you get the Holy Ghost and you know you have completely surrendered yourself to God. God says, I'm going to tame the most unruly part of you. The reason God uses the tongue is not that it's the Holy Ghost, but whenever God tames your tongue, he's tamed your whole body. That's what this scripture is saying. That's why when you go to praying and you go to worshiping God and all of a sudden you begin to speak in that heavenly language, it's God saying, thank you, you've given all yourself to me. Thank you, you've surrendered all to me. So God used speaking in tongues, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
and the practice of Pentecost was not a one-time event. It was something that happened over and over and over and over and over again. Acts 2, 38, Peter's preaching. Then Peter said to them, repent. You should do that today if you haven't. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You should do that today if you haven't. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You should do that today if you haven't. But next verse, for the promise is for all you disciples. The disciples are for the 120 that were here. He said, no, this promise of the Holy Ghost, it's unto you. I'm glad you got it. But it's not just unto you. It's to your children. It wasn't just the thing that happened. If you were there in the upper room, you got it. If you weren't there, you missed it. Not the case. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It just kept opening up bigger and bigger and bigger. And when people began to receive the Holy Ghost, uh, they looked at them and said, this is what we had at the beginning. Uh, in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, and as I began to speak, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us uh, at the beginning. Uh, it was not a one-time event uh, in the upper room, uh, but he said the same way we got it, they got it. I'm here to tell you, uh, when you read the book of Acts, uh, the same way they got it, you can have it. The same way it happened in their lives, uh, it can happen in your life. How did it happen? Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. The Jews were astonished. They're the ones of the circumcision. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the Jews did not think. It was some 10 years later by the time this happened, whenever Cornelius and his family came. They have had 10 years of Jewish people, and that's exactly what the Bible says. It's going to be, uh, uh, he said, uh, the promise is unto you, your children, all them are far off. The Bible talks about um, that it's going to start in Samaria, and then Judea, and, uh, excuse me, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, it was that ripple effect. Uh, and so for the first 10 years, it was just Jewish people that were receiving the Holy Ghost and they thought only Jewish people could get the Holy Ghost they were the only ones special enough but all of a sudden this man named Cornelius was praying and saying God I want to surrender myself to you I want to give myself to you completely and thoroughly and God says oh I know what you can do to surrender yourself you can be filled with my spirit and when it happens to you you're going to get it just like they did in Acts chapter 2. They of the circumcisions were astonished as many as came with Peter because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? Because it happened the same way to them as it did on the day of uh, on the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. Um, and they heard them. This is how they knew. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Just like we got the Holy Ghost, they got the Holy Ghost. It happened the same way. What I'm telling you is what happened on the day of Pentecost was not regulated to that day. But on that day, the floodgates were open. On that day, the door was kicked open. And when it happened, it's for whosoever will. They can all come. Happened again, Acts chapter 19. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. It happens over and over again. It was not a one-time event. And it's still happening today. That promise is unto you, to your children, to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And when you enter into the Holy Ghost, you enter into a rest. It's a rest like you've never had before. If you can get in his spirit, it's amazing the things that begin to break off on you. But Pentecost was not just about speaking in tongues. 
but it was because it was about submitting, but it was beyond that. It was about allowing the Spirit of God to direct their lives. They were led by the Spirit. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's what happened. They were led by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit began to grow in their lives. The gifts of the Spirit were in operation in their lives. If you're talking about Pentecost and you're talking about what it's all about, it's not just speaking in tongues. It's about surrendering yourself to the Spirit of God. That's what Pentecost is all about. And so if we say we're Pentecostal and we don't yield to the Spirit, I beg to differ with you. If you're Pentecostal, you need to be yielded to the Spirit of God. You need to flow when God moves. Oh, everybody, clap your hands. Lift your voice for a moment. <laughs> I just saw the time. I'm sorry. I'm stopping. Romans 8, 14. As many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The principle that Pentecost came is important. The principle that you believe in a jubilee is important. The principle that you believe that God is control is all important. But the practice is that we pray and we're led by the Spirit. Ananias was led by the Spirit to Saul of Tarsus. The Spirit said, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight. You're going to find a man there. His name's Saul of Tarsus. Whoa, wait a minute. I've heard about this guy. He's throwing people in prison. If you're a Christian, you're as good as dead if you're around him. Are you sure about this, God? And God says, yes, I want you to go. I want you to share the gospel with him. I want you to help him. I want you to be there for him. And so Ananias, not because he was brave, not because he had some kind of insight, but simply because he was led by the Spirit to this man called Saul, later known as Paul, the Apostle Paul. There he is. He's in a room, and he's blinded. If Ananias would have went to him three days before that. He would have been thrown in jail. If Ananias tried to talk to him two days before that, he would have been killed. If he would have tried to talk to him the day before that, he would have wrecked his whole family. But the right moment, at the right time, when the Spirit says, this is the moment to talk to them. You want to know how to reach your family? You do it when the Spirit begins to lead you. If we're not led by the Spirit, we're not walking in pain. Pentecost. Oh, church, hear me today. We've got to be led by the Spirit. That's how we're going to make an impact. Paul was led by the Spirit. Stand with me. Stand with me, please. Paul was led by the Spirit to Macedonia. He didn't show up there in Lydia and her whole house, get the Holy Ghost, get saved and start a church there because he was so smart, but he was a praying man. He was living out Pentecost, surrendered to the Spirit, and an angel appeared unto him as a man there from Macedonia says, come help us. It's the Spirit that led to revival. Peter went to Cornelius' house kicking and screaming. If it wasn't for the Spirit, he would have never showed up at Cornelius' house. We wouldn't have Acts chapter 10. God had to give Peter a vision where he put down this sheet that had all these unclean animals that, that Peter knew he wasn't supposed to eat because it wasn't kosher. It was against the law, the Jewish law. He knew as a Jew he wasn't to eat that. But God put it down and said, eat. And he said, I'm not going to eat it. And it went back up in the air and it came back a big sheet and it unfolded again. More animals unclean eat. I will not eat it. It goes up and comes down again. It just keeps happening. And finally God says, listen, don't call common and unclean the things that I have put in your path. Don't call them common and unclean. He was saying, listen, Peter, I need you to go talk to this man. But if Peter was not sensitive to the Spirit, we would not have a Cornelius' story. Pentecost 
It's not about a one-day thing that happened. It's about surrendering ourselves to the Spirit of God. And the first Pentecost, uh, they drew back. Uh, maybe it was an atmosphere like this. Uh, maybe they felt something in their spirit. Uh, maybe tears had flowed uh, down their face at one point. Uh, but there came that moment uh, of fear and saying, No, uh, I'm just not ready for it. Uh, and the first Pentecost, uh, it went from their heart uh, to tables uh, on a wall. Uh, but now uh, he said, Get it inside of you. Led by the Spirit. This church. On the other side of Bellevue. Not very far from here. If you're still in Bellevue, you can't be very far from here. A young preacher. His wife building the church. Bishop Barnum, early 20s, trying to help people come to know God. Dad walks into the house one day, his house, and there's a man sitting in his living room. <laughs> Dad didn't know who he was. Luckily, my mom had heard, heard of him before. Knew him from past experience. His name was Charlie Wycliffe. Charlie Wycliffe, when he gave his heart to God, his parents did not want him, to, his father in particular, did not want him serving God. Told him if he ever went back to church, he would disown him. Charlie Wycliffe was so moved by God, he went back and cried and prayed and came back. And his dad met him at the door, said, you were at that church, weren't you? said, yeah, he took a frying pan and started hitting him in the head. Threw him and his clothes out. Charlie Wycliffe, because of that moment, could never speak plain again. And he looks at Dad, this guy that Dad has never seen, and says, Brother Barnum, this is exactly how he talks, Brother Barnum, God told me to come here and preach you a revival. And Dad thought, oh, did he now? But because a man that was in, I think, Oklahoma, God spoke to him in a prayer room. And he got on a bus without knowing anything and just came to Bellevue because God said, go to Bellevue. Gets off, gets into the preacher's house. Preacher don't even know him that he's there until he's sitting down in his house and he walks in. And a pastor, a young preacher that's led by the Spirit, said okay Charlie Wycliffe couldn't read after that incident with his father he would say Brother Barnum Brother Barnum read that scripture where, uh, where uh, the man built his house on the rock and the other one built his house on the sand and dad would read the story about the foolish man that built his house on the sand and the storms came and it washed it away and the man that built his house on the rock and the winds and the storm came and it stood and Charlie Wycliffe, this was his kind of message. He would stand there and say, Sam religion won't do, Sam religion won't do. You gotta get your feet on the rock. Sam religion won't do. He would start going whoop, 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 whoop. Sam religion won't do. Y'all, everyone's going, oh my goodness, what's going on? But it was a man that was led by God and all of a sudden, People didn't know why. A lot of people smiling at him, just like you are right now, which is a perfectly normal thing to do. But all of a sudden, tears would begin to flow down people's face, and they didn't know why. They just started going to an altar, and they would repent of their sins and give their heart to God. What happened? Somebody was living out Pentecost. It became more than a story in the book. It became something that they lived every day. That's Pentecost. You're here today. Maybe the teaching I did, maybe it stirred you, maybe it didn't. But I pray that the Spirit is moving here today. And what you are feeling right now is that God is saying, come on, surrender. That's what Pentecost is. It's about surrendering to His Spirit. Will it be the first Pentecost for you that you feel it but you back away? Or will it be the second Pentecost that you say, I don't understand it, but I yield myself to you. If it's from you, God, I want it. 
let the, let the Spirit move you today. Let the Spirit get a hold of you today. Stop just staying where you are and living the same old life. Uh, let the power of God move in you. But I'm here to tell you, God's a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. You must surrender yourself to him. Right now, no one walking around unless you're moving to the front. Will you join with someone beside you? And let's begin to pray. If you're by a friend, you can take them by the hand, put your hand on the shoulder. Why don't you begin to pray with them? Step across the aisle if you need to. Go down the aisle if you need to. Holy Ghost is here. Ma'am, you need to surrender your heart to God. Sir, I'm glad you're here, but you need to surrender your heart to God. Young person, you need to surrender your heart to God. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's about surrendering to the Spirit of God. That's it. Let your voice out right where you are. Talk to the Lord. Come on, that's it. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Talk to him. That's awesome right there. That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of God touching you. Now right now, why don't you obey God? Why don't you lean forward and not back right now? Why don't you take a step of faith right now? From the front to the back. Why don't you say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I know I need you. I need you like I've never needed you. I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of shrinking away. God, I need you today. I need you today. That's it. The Holy Ghost is here right now. That's it. Tap into that. You can ask that person beside you, would you like to come pray? Make a step of faith today. How long are you going to wait? Say, well, I don't know about this or that. Don't worry about all that stuff. You're never going to get good enough to get God. you got to get God and let him help you get good. Don't try to figure it all out. Just surrender. That's what it is. Just surrender. Just surrender. That's Pentecost. Surrender. That's it, ministers, altar workers, begin to move right now. Saints of God, if you'd like to come pray, come pray. If you'd like to come pray with somebody, come pray with them. Let's worship the Lord.
Come on, everybody engage. Everybody get in the spirit. Everybody get loose in the Holy Ghost.